What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Player to Prospect podcast. This episode features a conversation with Ricky Castro, who's currently on the Joliet Slammers in the Frontier League. I had a great time learning about Ricky, both as a player and a person, and I hope you guys do too. So with that, let's take it to the episode with Ricky Castro. I think I watched, I want to say I watched almost every inning of your guys' conference tournament. And I was like, what's the... <laughs> What's the mindset right now? Like, wh what are these guys telling each other? Like, what's giving them all this, like, uh, what's, what do you want to call it? Nothing to lose sort of, like, style. It, it just seemed like you guys were playing so free and easy. And, like, I mean, obviously you guys caught fire, like, with the bats. And, like, I think that was such a big part of it, too, is, like, everyone was just putting together like pretty quality at bats and it was so easy to kind of get behind the offense. Cause it was like every inning, you know, that's, there's a good chance you guys are scoring some runs. Like it was, it was scary for like other teams, I'm sure. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Can you, can you disclose like kind of what the mentality of it was like, just like going into the tournament? Yeah. I mean, we definitely had that, nothing to lose mindset to us kind of that like they got to beat us kind of attitude which not a lot of teams that have been on have had and I think that's just a product of like who the guys are we're all confident in our abilities and Jay I mean he's a pretty laid-back personable coach so it's easy to play under him and not really be stressing or worrying about things and at the end of the day like we knew what we were capable of and we're like we just came to the realization, like, nobody really wants to play us, you know, like, we could beat anybody at any moment. We've had, like, a, a hell of a out-of-conference schedule this year, and, I mean, we've hung in there in pretty much every game other than Campbell, so, I mean, we know we can beat anybody at any moment, and, like, nobody wanted to play us, so we just kind of played free and easy that way, you know? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You guys, like you mentioning that out of conference schedule. And yeah, I mean, because I, again, I followed like pretty much the whole year. I wouldn't say I watched every inning of every game, but yeah. you made a good point in that you guys were like, you guys were always in the game. Like you guys were always in there. And it was just like, God dang, like if just one or two things like went the other way, yeah. like your guys' record could have been drastically different. And yeah, I think that's like really hard, not only for, you guys as players, but probably for Jay and is and the rest of the coaching staff, just be like, God, we're so close. Like, yeah. was that, was that like a sentiment throughout the whole season or was this something like, okay, you guys are like 10 games in, you probably started to realize it. And then it became part of the identity, like, you know, conference tournament, I, I guess I would say is like, when you guys just like put your foot down, you're like, all right, <laughs> look, like this is, we got to We got to change the mojo. Yeah, I think there's just always been one missing piece throughout the year. And it wasn't necessarily like one thing that was the same the whole time. So it was definitely kind of difficult for the players and the coaches to kind of address the issue and kind of make an instant change like that. But I think just the setting and the style of tournament play was kind of like a reset button. Like, all right, like anybody's fair game here, like, they got to beat us twice for us to leave. And I don't think we're leaving. So we just kind of ran with it. Dude, <laughs> I could totally see Jay saying like, 
just being so stubborn minded in that, like he he's not going to let like you guys waver really in any way or kind of surrender at least on the effort side. And I think that is one thing that Jay like does a really good job of, at least from what I remember is like, he's going to get the most out of his players just on a pure effort sort of uh, piece. So, I mean, was that something like that was pretty much like promoted pretty early in the, in the year, like even way back in the fall, it was like, guys, like we're doing everything we can on like a process level. The results are going to fall where they may, but like you, you always have to focus and like be very, very on top of the effort piece of things. Oh, for sure. I mean, especially okay. when things aren't going your way, like the record was not ideal by any means. So, I mean, he did a good job, like finding the little positive things to recognize. And I mean, there were a bunch of those for sure. So just kind of, I don't know, staying positive in that way and sticking to the process, like can't really control the score at the end of the day. Like mm. as long as you're playing good baseball, as long as you're focused and um, giving your best effort, like you can live with it. Can we, cool. can we, let's talk about during the season too, um, the amount of times, like, like you said, kind of just the, the moving parts, I guess you'd call it. How many times did you have to like switch the day that you were starting or, make some make changes to like your weekly routine because of you know some sort of change like in the the order of like the starting rotation uh i think maybe once or twice okay started as the sunday guy and then there was one week i think the week of easter where we played thursday friday saturday so i would move up to saturday and then kind of stay on saturdays from there so it really wasn't too bad just kind of rolling with the punches, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the that mentality is definitely, you know, it, it's a good one to take because, like you said, you never really know what happens, like, from game one to 50. Like, you can't predict it, right? Yeah. So yeah. can you dive into, like, that weekly routine, like, what that looks like for you? Because I, I would assume, too, since you're going into indie ball, like, right away, that you're going to kind of continue on that schedule and that routine, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm starting off indie ball in the bullpen, hopefully looking to okay. move into the rotation, but I'll kind of make the routine as as I see fit. So are you um, excited for that change? Like what's like what's going through your head on that? Yeah, man. I mean, it was definitely a little bit of a shock when I first got there. Like I went from the fifth year grad, old senior to kind of like f- fresh uh I don't know, fresh in the water to these older guys. And it's pretty cool. Like the first guy I talked to and met, um, super nice dude, Justin. He was said he was with the Astros for like seven years in the minors up to AAA. And he's like 29 years old. I'm like, that kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, like I'm here to play, but I'm also here to learn. Like there's experience all around me. I'm going to try to pick these guys' brains as much as I can. So I'm only in my fourth day to it and, I've already learned some things and looking forward to a summer with these guys for sure. So what team and league are you in? Cause having a 29 year old as a teammate, I would assume you're in one of the, the older leagues, quote unquote. Yeah. We're in the uh, frontier league, the Juliet okay. slam. Yeah. Gotcha. Is that close to home for you? Cause it, I mean, just I'm guessing, but it looks like you're home right now. Yep. <laughs> this home and just about a 30 minute drive every day. So it's really not bad. 
it's really oh, bad. Yeah, that is nice. nice. That is, that is <laughs> really nice. <laughs> so when is that startup for you again? Inter- I mean, I know you're you're like in season now, but like you're you're ready to go tomorrow. Like, is that is that where you're at? Yeah, I already had one outing on Saturday. Came in oh, relief, okay. three innings, and uh, pitched pretty well. I mean, competition is good, and the uh, the rules are a little bit different. Like, I think it's like that in pro ball. The fifteen second pitch clock kind of caught me off guard at first, and yep. it was a hit. We were like. <laughs> umpire said time and i'm like what happened like i thought there was a ball on the field or fan on the field or something streaking across but i guess it was a pitch violation for the hitters so i just threw two pitches and got a strikeout i'm like oh that was sweet <laughs> it should be like that every time. dude that's uh, yeah that is like <laughs> oh man those the rule changes yeah they're they're been a bit of an adjustment but i don't know yeah uh, it sounds like you or at least you know when i was watching you this season you didn't really struggle too much with tempo is that something you focused on you like an up-tempo type of guy yeah i mean every uh between every inning when i would hop out on the field i would jog out to the mound and grab the ball before my warm-ups and i would just think to myself like get us off the field like as quick as possible just because watching the game for five years in college and at Purdue, they used to do this too, like kind of keep track of how long you're on defense for. And mm. I mean, I think there's a correlation, like the shorter you're on defense, the better chances are you're going to win because teams on offense longer, the guys get to settle in and just kind of feels like you're applying the pressure to the other team. So just try to pitch in like an efficient manner like that. I thought would help. Is that something you learned in college or like maybe at Purdue or in junior college or like, when did you, when did that click for you? Yeah, I would say at Purdue, like okay. they were uh, keeping time and it was kind of like the benchmark was like five minutes. So if you got off the field, get three outs in less than five minutes, that was considered pretty good. And hmm. yeah, I just kind of bought into that and started pitching contact more and like ground balls are friendly. So try to get some more of those. And um, forgive me for forgetting this in the moment, but what are the little devices that you guys have on your wrist again? What are the, what's the, what do you call those? Um, I don't even know what they're called. They're just a little just digital wristbands. Yeah. Did you yeah. like pl- pitching with those this year? Uh, I kind of kept things simple and with yeah. the pitch clock, it was definitely helpful, but I do kind of miss, it didn't feel like traditional baseball at times. Like, the touches signs all these sign systems like i kind of enjoyed that stuff you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it just looks funny because like you guys are literally just going like this just being like (laughs) all right sun would be on there so you're you're covering it and stuff and it's oh man yeah (laughs) (laughs) wait um did you guys uh have like infielders with them too because i know some teams would have like their infielders with them as well or something like that and then could you like put on picks as well was it for that yeah yeah, I think the two middle infielders and the first baseman had one as well. So they can kind of see when a pickoff is called and maybe even what pitch is called and kind of adjust where they're positioned just a step or two, maybe. Yeah. Isn't that just, funny, though? Like, sorry for interrupting, but I just feel like it's really funny, especially us being like JUCO guys, how stark yeah. of a difference it is to be at like a oh, junior yeah. college versus a place like, you know, Purdue or Tulane. Like, yeah i don't know for me every time i like stepped on the field too late i'm like this is crazy like i feel like i'm in a palace 
Like, yeah, I, I don't know if you felt like that, but no, for sure. <laughs> it's just, it's just wild to me. Yeah. Big difference. Um, can we actually dive into that though? Like your recruiting process, honestly, like starting even in high school, can we dive into that? Yeah, for sure. Cause you went junior college out of high school, right? Yeah. Just for one year. Okay. What went into that? I, I want to hear about your process and that. Yeah. So kind of in high school, I was, I was on like a VLO program, probably too young to start. Like I've always been a skinnier mm. guy and sophomore year topped out at like 89 or whatever. And oh, wow. I thought that was pretty good. And then junior year I was pitching like 83, 84, just cause I was so fatigued from the year prior to that. And, uh, that's kind of the recruiting heavy year. So I didn't really get a ton of looks that year. And, um, then senior year kind of brought it together again. I only had a few options where to go. And um, my family coaches kind of told me that junior college would be better just to play and kind of get experienced and they'll actually develop you hmm. rather than going to a D1 school out of high school where they might kind of push you to the side and not really give you much development that first year. So I thought JUCO was calling my name in that aspect. It was good. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's funny how before you even get to a place, like when you're choosing that sort of next stop, a lot of players are prioritized just sort of the optics of it, you know, yeah. the name, the, the, sure. the glitz and glamour sort of piece. Whereas you guys, you were given some good advice. It's like, no, go play. Yeah, you need to go play. That's the only way you'll get better and actually move up the levels, right? Yeah. That's interesting, though. You said your sophomore year being, you know, on a VLO program, 88, 89, yeah. topping out at, and then a drastic difference down, yeah. down to like the low mid 80s. Was yeah. there, there was no injury involved in that or was it like a dead arm thing? I know you said fatigue was, was a big part of it, but like what it, how did you combat that was it just rest yeah i would think uh i was never injured or nothing through that so interesting kind of the only thing that could really explain it is just like having dead arm like those little muscles in the shoulder or forearm or whatever you might think was just kind of all spent out from from the spring prior to that that's interesting. Wow. And it's, I feel like it's kind of funny now too, because some kids, they could probably be in your shoes right now and, you know, they could have that same thing happen to them. And if they have the resources, contact someone at like tread or whatever and say like, can you look at my biomechanics, you know, and see if like, what's wrong. Um, did you ever like get into that? Um, maybe not like maybe in high school, you know, I, I wasn't even in that into that uh, as much in high school but did you ever like find an interest in like the way that you move your body or try to like make adjustments there at really at any point in your career yeah I don't think that it really came about until college um yeah junior college the coach there was John Goble I mean he was he was incredible I think he's with the Rangers now in the minors pitching coach so I mean, he knows his stuff, and I thought that was really interesting. And summer of 2021, I went to this facility in St. Louis called P3, like pitching performance. And mm -hmm. 
that's kind of what they specialize in, kind of like a driveline or a tread, but a little bit more local and more affordable. And I mean, there were some true geniuses that worked in that pitching lab and they would teach me new things every week for sure. Mm. And yeah, it's pretty interesting just to see the way your body moves and like just little things here and there that you might not be able to pick up with your eye, but you need to get on a mocap for just to like mm -hmm. measure how fast your hips are rotating or the angle of your shoulders at a certain point and just kind of sequencing the delivery. Um, yeah. I think it made it a lot easier with, with mocap or biomechanics or whatever kind of measuring device that, that those facilities use. Did you focus on that at all during this season? Maybe when you started to struggle at any point, um, was that something you referred back to? Not really, not really. I kind of okay. kept it simple most of this year. Just yeah, yeah. So just kind of keeping the delivery together and on time, and that's really about it. Just letting the rest take care of itself. Just pitching. So then, what? I mean. I'll call a spade a spade here. It's not like you had a 1.0 ERA and it's a long season. You pitch no, every not. single weekend, you know? So, I mean, everyone kind of goes through that, that little rough patch. You might have an off outing and they need to reset somehow. Like how did you reset, kind of get back on the right track for the next outing? Yeah, there were a few in there that were a little bit hairy <laughs> um, playing Wichita State. I mean, that team could hit and, Oh, yeah. I wasn't really focused that day. The uh, delivery wasn't in the best spot. So I kind of took it for what it was like, oh, I couldn't get to the glove side. Like, that's why I was getting rocked that day. It's not like I'm a terrible pitcher. So just kind of put things into perspective and just got back on the horse like the next day. So I would uh, light toss the next day after that and just kind of stick to the process and stick to my routine and just work on the delivery just a little bit more maybe and mm -hmm. uh, try to visualize where I could have made some better pitches in hindsight and uh, just kind of learning from my mistakes. So yeah, I thought it was, it was pretty simple to, to bounce back from those kind of outings. So would you go in and maybe look at video the next day when you say um, kind of focusing on like where you made mistakes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure is. Okay. Uh, is would do a great job of that too. Just you can go into his office anytime. I mean, he was awesome and he was saying, uh, I mean, it was uncharacteristic of me to get shelled like that. And he was saying, uh, it's a possibility that I was tipping some pitches. And hmm. although that is kind of like a cop out, kind of like a blanket, like, oh, you're fine, you're just tipping. Um, we didn't really want to lean to that, so we looked into some video and it really showed that I was not tipping at all. It was just the hitters were way too comfortable in the box and hmm. just missing up over the plate too many times and kind of learned from that, that there's not always really like one easy solution that, oh, it was just cause I was tipping. It was, there's more to that. So yeah, I think video helps kind of take things into that perspective. Now for you, is there a game plan for each hitter or do you like to kind of say like, okay, I have the way that I pitch. I know what is going to work and I'm just going to stick to those strengths. Cause I've heard coaches say, no, I, I'm going to, my pitchers are going to pitch the way that they pitch. Like they're going to stick to their strengths other time, you know, other coaches, even maybe pro organizations, they want to be a little bit more tailored to the hitter where they're like, we're going to find his weakness and just exploit that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think it depends kind of what level you're at. I mean, you're at the professional level and there yeah. are some hitters there. So if they have a weakness, I'm sure you need to, you need to attack that, but kind of at the college level, I feel like, um, especially when you have pretty solid stuff, like you can just let it play and yeah, let the results be, unless there's like a, a clear cut weakness that the hitter has, then mm -hmm. the coaches might tailor something to that. Yeah. I, I feel like when I was in college, I did the same thing. I was like, okay, yeah. I know my game. I'm going to stick to it and we're just going to let it play. Mm -hmm. we, I mean, I'm trying to think like for like, it just as advice for high scores. Cause I feel like a lot of high scores, they're trying to probably do a little bit too much with it. Um, Cause you're, you're a three pitch guy, right? You have three main pitches, right? Yeah. Sinker slider change up. Yeah. And a four seam. So fastballs yeah. on a 1.5 different pitches i don't know yeah so. yeah so for you but you know your identity you know what that mm -hmm. looks like you're not always trying to like change it or anything like that um did you always have that like cemented in like did you know that was a um your kind of identity or um uh, what do you call it like a like a makeup as a pitcher in terms of your like pitch types and shapes and all of that, or like when did that, when did that kind of become concrete? Um, I would say kind of my senior year. So last year, oh, okay. I kind of realized I could, uh, I can kind of have two different identities if I really wanted to, and hmm. kind of like the sinker slider kind of combo, they kind of play off each other well, or the forcing changeup kind of plays off each other well. And mm -hmm. I kind of have those, four pitches that I can kind of pair up with each other kind of any way I want to. And I think it's important for high schoolers just to know how their pitches move and talking to hitters about it, like in scrimmages, when you're playing your own team, you can hmm. ask them, yeah, how, how did that look? Did you pick up on that? Or even the catchers too, because they see hundreds of your pitches. So you're like, yo, would it be better if I kind of threw a slider after that fastball or do you think? Um, changeup would play better off that fastball and just kind of learning your stuff is pretty important. So you would have a dialogue with like, you know, B lamb and Reed and Seth about, you know, that those things and with the hitters too, was that something you were always doing even during the season? Um, not as much this year I have in the past though. Okay. And one time a hitting coach in summer ball came to me. He's like, yo, you got to throw a four seam changeup because, you throw four seam fastballs and your two seam chain, if you see the red seams on it right away, like they're mm -hmm. going to spit on it and know it's off speed. So just kind of learning from the hitter's perspective, I think can be really beneficial. Yeah. And you, like you, we're talking about like sequencing and matching pitches and stuff and how, and I didn't really do it either a whole lot until later in college, but now like high schoolers are, they're picking up on this stuff pretty early. They're able yeah. to like, really dive into the stuff there's so many resources out there right now um did you ever like proactively seek that outside of you know your coach's instruction or anything like that have you ever gone on like a baseball savant app or looked at you know youtube videos for like how to get better at that stuff like is that something you do in your free time at all um a little bit i kind of watch some highlights of guys in the big leagues that i like and kind of how okay. they how they attack hitters so yeah, I definitely did that as a kid, I would say, like just watching yeah. big leaders and trying to like emulate them. Yeah, 
Yeah, who was, who was oh, your go. guy growing up that, that you kind of tried to to emulate a little bit? Well, yeah, I guess being a California guy, getting to see Kershaw pitch once or twice live, it was like, okay, right. like just watching him. Yeah, just watching kind of the consistency and like the funkiness of the motion. Like it reminded me, okay, you don't have to look like a robot up there. You got to just do like, you got to move like what's com- in the way that's comfortable for you. So he was definitely one of them. I would say John Lester is probably another one. He was another guy where I'm like, okay, yeah, he's just got that bulldog, like pitcher mentality. Like you can tell when he's not even on that day, but he's still like just getting out. And yeah, I think those are two guys for me, obviously as a lefty, it's like, I kind of gravitated towards the lefties. Mm-hmm. What about you? Who, who did you uh, like watch growing up? Yeah. I'd say another Chicago Cub, Jake Arrieta, just cause Ooh, um, yeah, yeah. physicality and his presence on the mound his stuff was nasty too. So, I mean, I think it's pretty cool to watch guys like that. He was a funky guy too, though. He like, he was like a cross body guy where are, yeah. do you step a little bit across? I'm trying to remember it. Like, a little bit. I pitch on the third base side. So I do kind of yeah. throw across just a little bit. Oh, I do too. So, actually. Now I think about it. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we kind of got sidetracked, but, <laughs> um, we were talking about your recruiting process with, with high school. Can you talk about it at the next step with junior college and what that looked like having to talk to four-year universities and making that decision? Yeah, so it's all started with uh, just identifying what you're looking for as a player and where Mm -hmm. you can see yourself ending up. And for me, it was I wanted a school that kind of had everything to it. You know, I wasn't going to go to a little school in the middle of nowhere no matter how good they were at baseball, like even though Purdue isn't necessarily in a huge town, like they had the football atmosphere, they had the worth of the degree, the basketball games. Like I kind of wanted like a full college experience in that aspect. And Mm. Purdue was um, where my buddy from high school went and James. So Mm. we played a scrimmage against them in the fall and kind of just, was in front of the coaches in that way. And then they called me up afterwards. So just kind of identifying like where you want to go for degree proximity to home type mm. of things like that. And kind of just taking steps in that direction, I think helps instead of just hoping a random big school, big name school reaches out to you. You kind of have to have a little plan and um, mm. kind of narrow it down in some way. I see. I mean, yeah, that's definitely smart. Uh, in terms of where to start really establishing like what type of place you want to go to because it makes no use for you to want to reach out to UC San Diego if that's not the type of school you want to go to Um, so from there like once you kind of identified that was it you proactively seeking them out or were you just lucky enough that they got to see you and then they just picked up interest and then the dialogue just started that way yeah I think I was lucky enough like they were in our schedule and got to see me but I think either way I would have tried to at least reach out through my buddy James be Mm. like yo can you tell your coaches about me they can look into me how they want and things like that yeah and it's funny because there is some merit to that like there's there's some power in those those connections like we were talking about earlier um yeah but uh, so you know you mentioned like proximity and kind of the full college experience 
as being some things that you prioritize when choosing a school. So with Tulane, you know, it, hey, it's a good football school now, right? But it, it is, is far, but it's far away from home. So yeah, was that were you okay with that because it was one year, I'm assuming? Yeah, that's kind of what what made it seem perfect to me. Like mm -hmm. I knew it was one year, kind of had to just go out, explore, get out of my comfort zone. And mm -hmm. I mean, I thought that was great for me. And I think a lot of guys need to do that as well. Like you don't always have to be super close to home. And I went in there never being to New Orleans before, not knowing anybody. And lucky enough, lucky enough, my roommates were great and made it feel like home down there. Who are your roommates? Uh, Simon, Billy Price, and Gavin Smith. You know those guys. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's an interesting setup right there. That's yeah. <laughs> three three older pitchers. Well, I guess Gavin's not like that much older, but – and then Simon. Oh, my gosh. Simon had a great year this year. Simon had I, an unreal year. Yeah. I was I was so excited to see that. I, I hope he goes back. I don't know what the situation is like, but that's, that's besides the point. But you had never been to New Orleans prior to even committing? No. No, I did not know. So I was, oh, I didn't wow. know exactly like where it really was. In, in, You're kidding. In I'm like, I know it's down South somewhere, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, hats off to you for making that choice. Um, did you, you didn't even like look up what it, what the campus looks like or anything or, or maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah, a little bit. And Okay. You know, uh, you played with Trevor Mender, so I mm -hmm. saw he had a great experience at Tulane. So once the name came up, I'm like, all right, no matter what town it is, wherever it is, like, I know they're going to take care of me there. And mm -hmm. I think it's important to kind of look into that, too. Yeah, yeah. And you you're lucky because you got to have a contact there with, mm -hmm. you know, with Trevor. I think now that I think about it, a good piece of advice would be to ask or to tell recruits to ask coaches to talk with players. And I actually, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of Jay or if uh, Jewett while I was there did this. But I remember talking to a few players. Like I think it was actually Jay's maybe suggestion to like have me talk to potential future players, which is a great move because like I'll talk, you know, I'll say all the good things about Tulane. Like I'm, I yeah. love that play. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure he might ask you to do something like that too. But I think that's some, some good advice to have, you know, your coaches or the coaches that are recruiting you to give you some players to talk to, because then you get a real feel for what the place is like. So, or, you know, they can uh, watch the podcast or whatever it is, but okay. Wait. So like, uh, yeah. So, so wait, um, we kind of skipped over it, but like the, yeah, the decision-making process leaving Purdue uh, or maybe not leaving, but, you know, grad transferring out of that. When did that process begin? Was that just like, all right, season's over now I can start focusing on, you know, this sort of grad transfer role and process. Yeah, kind of. I mean, um, I didn't really know I was entering the portal till the season was over and kind of looking okay. back at it, I'm like, all right, what do I, what do I want out of this last year? I knew I wanted to play still not kind of leave that last year of eligibility from COVID out to dry. So mm -hmm. um, looked into the, it really came down to schooling too. And um, kind of getting a one year master's was like a great setup one year playing baseball, one year in school. And then, mm -hmm. then I'm out of there. So, and Purdue didn't offer that. And I also thought looking back at it, I'm like, I didn't really get 
the opportunities I would have liked at my time at Purdue. So kind of mm. going somewhere and getting a fresh start could be beneficial for me. And it's turned out to be that way. So I'm glad I got to try something new. Yeah. And you, like many college players, kind of fell into the fixed role sort of uh, position because coaches will do that. You know, they'll have you for one or yeah, two years and say like, okay, this is, this is what we're going to get at him. We know. <laughs> and then they kind of just leave it, like, let it be, you know, that's definitely something that happens plenty. Now there's yeah. programs that don't do that. And they're always trying to develop guys like, you know, <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Matt Hobbs. That get, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we love ourselves from Matt Hobbs here, but um, <laughs> uh, dude. Yes. So good. That's that. That's so funny that, that you mentioned him because I think that that is something that a lot of players take into consideration is like, what about me? Every, like all the time. It's like, okay, what about me though? Like I matter, you know, even though I've been here two or three years, like I can still get better. It's not like I'm a finished project at 20 or 21, you know? So know. yeah, it's, so that's funny that you mentioned that too, is like, you kind of fell into that, uh, that sort of position. And was that part of the reason also why you picked Tulane? Cause it was like, at least, I don't know, like maybe just talking with is, is like there was going to be some sort of change or just a, a new approach to the way that you were going to be evaluated. Yeah. He kind of told me I would get the opportunity to start, which yeah. I never really had previous to that so I thought that was cool and obviously you have to go out and earn your own spot but all you need is that opportunity and get the ball rolling from there well it, yeah and with with is too like he's obviously so like he's so honest like he'll hold his word to that in that you will yeah. get the opportunity and I think a lot of players when they hear that they're probably thinking like okay, so I, I, I'm going to be a starter. When I come in, I'm going to be a starter. And it's like, look, no, that's just not the case. Like, it, you know, any pitching coach even can say, like, you'll get the opportunity. It's like, yeah, like you said, you got to take advantage of it. You got to really perform, like, to, yeah. to prove that you can do that. Um, so you, but you hadn't started at Purdue, or maybe you did a little bit, but what was that like? sort of like building into the starter role and, and like did you come in saying like all right yeah I'm gonna be a starter and I need to kind of I need to do more you know than what I've been doing previously is that like something you talked to Izio about uh as soon as you got there in terms of like all right I need to approach this differently I need to like something's got to change I gotta I gotta figure out a way to like get to the next step and become like a a true workhorse starter yeah I think it started in summer ball actually where I started all summer in the Northwoods and I thought it was, it just made me kind of comfortable out there on the mound, knowing that I'm not like, I don't know, like I get to work out of my own jams and things like that kind of mm. made me a little bit more comfortable and uh, fit into that starter role a little bit and just kind of rolled into the fall at Tulane from there. And uh, is, I mean, is helped the whole way. He was always encouraging us and, kind of giving us different things to work on things that we're doing great. And I think that's important. So just taking little steps of progress forward. How how often would you say you talked to is, or just, just broke it down in his office with like things that were going on? Cause 
I know I did with him plenty of times and I wasn't even talking about myself. I was talking about you guys. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Like he'll, he'll uh, open himself up to talk pretty much anytime. So I'd say most of the conversations were just casual on the field. You know, if I see mm -hmm. him um, over by the academic building or something. So it's not really always like a formal conversation, but at the end of the day, he's still trying to help you and, and teach you some things. And I feel like the staff as a whole kind of adopted his um, personality in the way that you guys interacted. You get, you guys were all, at least while I was there in the fall and even in like January, you guys were all just like so relaxed and like, it seemed like you guys really enjoyed showing up every day. I mean, like, was that just a product of, of Izio? I mean, like, was that like a conscious effort of like, hey, guys, we're not we're not going to, you know, military school, this whole thing. Like we're we're here to enjoy our time together. Yeah, that was definitely a product of kind of the coaches, just like being people, you know, like guys mm -hmm. you can relate to. And at the end of the day, you you end up liking them or you're not. But for me, at least they were guys that I wanted to play for. So that really helped kind of put my best effort forward. Yeah, I would I would imagine psychologically it's a lot less of a burden, you know, to have to worry about. Um, and that kind of ties into the mental side of the game, too, is like, you know, you can go out on the field every day knowing like, yeah, my guys are behind me. Like, I enjoy being around these guys in a way you could you could say that they're like my brothers, you know, like my pseudo brothers, you know, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to like compete for these guys. Um, can we talk a little bit about the mental side of the game and like maybe, sure. you know, the types of efforts that you uh, put in for yourself, you know, to like really prepare yourself for an outing? Yeah, I think first and foremost, like self-talk and breathing are pretty much what it comes mm -hmm. down to and keeping the self-talk as positive as possible because a lot of things are out of your control. Like, an umpire might miss a call or player behind you might make an error or something. So just talking to yourself in a positive way just gives you the confidence to do what you need to do and mm -hmm. just being able to uh, execute the next pitch. So did you practice that even in like bullpens? Yeah. I mean, it would just kind of come naturally, but I wouldn't let myself um, kind of talk to myself in a negative way. Like, just kind of feeding myself confidence the whole time. And mm. I think before the game, I had like maybe three to five minutes set aside to where I would just talk to myself, <laughs> like as crazy as it sounds, but I had three or four different slogans or mantras written inside my hat. And I would kind mm. of go through them like literally right before I pick up a baseball. So mm -hmm. um, let me just go through them and, each of them would kind of touch on different aspects of the game that I felt I needed that day to perform my best. So if you want me to go through those, I could. <laughs> hey, it, yeah, that would actually be really cool because I feel like a lot of players don't do this, honestly. Like they're just yeah. – they're. it's fun because I would do it too. I would do it in junior college, um, especially like that's where it started. And looking back, I'm like, yeah, having those things in my mind – just constantly like it it kept me very focused it kept me very clear-minded so yeah let's break those down I mean if if you don't mind 
Yeah. So the first one on my hat that I would go through is mm -hmm. I just wrote on there Rico. <laughs> Rico. You know? Yeah, that was kind of a nickname given to me from the Purdue coach, and mm -hmm. he was kind of the meaning behind it was like he doesn't want to see Ricky out there on the mound. He wants me to take like kind of <laughs> okay. a different form and be like, I don't know, be like a competitive beast out there. So I thought that kind of helped because I think I'm a pretty like relaxed and chill dude off the field, but mm -hmm. like the minute I step on the mound, like I can't really be that all the time. So he kind of helped me create that alter ego or like alter mindset or whatever that, mm -hmm. I mean, Kobe had the same thing, like the black Mamba kind of like, you switch into that, like it's game time, nothing else matters. You don't have to be Mr. Nice Guy anymore. Like it's time to compete. Mm -hmm. so yep. I thought that was pretty cool. Like finding something that works for you like that. And I think uh, the Rico just kind of came out and would allow me to just be like swaggy a little bit, have some fun and kind of try to like expose the hitter a little bit. Like I'm not like I'm on attack out there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought that's what it helped me with. And, the uh, next mantra that I would go through would be all gas, no breaks. I would just repeat that to myself 10, 15 times, like all gas, no breaks, all gas, no breaks. And it kind of told me like, whenever there's a little bit of timidness in there, like there's mm -hmm. no room for that in your mind when you're out there, you got to just flush that, be as confident as possible. And we all know that there's pressure within the game of baseball. And I think, this really helped me kind of handle that and deal with the pressure is it's just how you perceive it. Right. Like mm -hmm. you can either feel the pressure, like the world's weighing down on you. You got to be so perfect and everything and everybody's judging you, which I have felt at times for sure. Mm -hmm. But once I kind of flip my perspective on it, like I'm going to apply the pressure instead of feeling the pressure. So, the hitter's got just as much pressure on him. Bases loaded, two outs. Like he still got to hit my stuff. I don't have to be perfect. I'm just gonna play and apply the pressure to the guy in the box. So mm -hmm. I think that was kind of like a really beneficial mindset switch that I developed over the years. Hmm. That's the first one. <laughs> it reminded me of of uh, when I talked with Jamie. Like I was telling you about before. Uh, mm -hmm. how he would talk with Kershaw and watch Kershaw on his start days and contrast that to, you know, the other four days. And he's like, oh yeah, start days and the other four days, two different people, literally two different people. Yeah. And it's so funny, like how valuable that lesson actually is for young players yeah. to say like, no, when you hop on the mound, when you're, when you're preparing for your start, you need to literally shift gears mentally. Like you have to, like you said, develop an alter ego in a weird way. Like I always called it kind of like my, like my inner diva. Like, I don't like, it's just like, I'm just going to turn into a, like a douche. Like I'm going to be that guy where everyone's like, where the other team is looking at him like, oh, this guy thinks he's all that dude. Like, I hate this guy. Like I loved like that feeling of like, hearing guys yeah. just being like mad and it's like oh yeah i yeah. feed off that like i love that yeah. i love that i love that feeling of like oh fuck. like like he's getting to like i feel like i'm getting to them you know it's like yeah i'm winning like i'm winning the game just by yeah. doing that and it, it, it. it is that it is that psychological edge right of being like yeah um i'm in the zone i'm locked in like 
no one's going to touch me type of deal. You have to have that kind of like mentality. That's so funny. Yeah. I love that Rico. When you said Rico, I was like, is he going to, is he talking about like uncle Rico from Napoleon dynamite? Like I, I literally <laughs> thought you were about to say, I was like, no way he's about to channel his inner like <laughs> uncle Rico. Oh man. That's so Dude, funny. That's funny. <sighs> and you can kind of like what you're saying, you can be the biggest like douche or kind of a hole on the mound. As long as, you're who you are off the field like mm -hmm. the guys on your team recognize that they're like oh like he might act like that on the field but like that's not who he is like he's actually a really nice guy <laughs> so yes absolutely room to kind of have that have that a-hole in you when you're pitching and we all know the guys who you hate to face them but you love to have them on your team like, oh I yeah feel like that's the that's kind of the goal right is like yeah, it is yeah and it's it's kind of rare though right like you don't see it a whole lot i can't i can only think of maybe a handful of guys where that was the case at least knowingly it was like pretty glaring like glaringly obvious like oh yeah this is the guy like this is a guy where you could tell the team really doesn't like this dude but it's probably just because he's good you know yeah. like on, on that piece of it too that's so funny and i like the positive affirmation part um because yeah like you said doubt can creep in your mind all the time especially if you're not feeling it that day. I know it, it does for me. Like I'm so self-critical. I don't know if you are, um, sure. but being able to like put that, uh, it's, I don't want to sound all, you know, granola, but like that positive energy out there. It's like, yeah, it definitely, it definitely can really change you. So that was the first two yeah. you said you had, did you have, is it just those two you had? How, how many more do you have? Or do you, do you have more? Yeah, there's a, also boss in there because that's kind of like a tribute to my dad like everyone calls him the boss i think it's because mm. i don't know sometimes he forgets people's names so he just says oh what's up boss or things like that so <laughs> they kind of yeah. known as boss now so i'm like all right i'm i'm out here competing like couldn't have been here without my dad just kind of like that gratitude part of it mm. like you were saying earlier there's a i don't know just having that gratefulness that you still have a chance to to make it to the big leagues or that your dream is still alive kind of mm -hmm. puts things into perspective so i think that helps and kind of taking the form of a boss when you're out there like you're the one in control like they the hitter reacts to what you do mm -hmm. you're under no control by any means and uh like no matter what happens i try to stand out there with my chin up and my chest out like no matter what the day's looking like, you know? So I think that's really important to take on. Absolutely. And it's so funny. I literally was listening to a podcast. Uh, what was it yesterday or the day before it was with Lex Friedman and Matthew McConaughey. And he had this oh. saying that was uh, less impressed, more involved. So it was kind of along the lines of you, you need to be more than just like happy to be there you kind of have to use that position, you know, that position where, you know, you should have some gratitude for being there and use it, you know, like you're saying, mm -hmm. it's like, yes, be grateful for the position you're in, but don't awe in it, you know, don't sit in it yeah. and say like, okay, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Like, this is cool. It's like, no, okay. Yeah. Now go, go do something with it. You know, <laughs> go, go <laughs> like agree. make something out of it, make something out of that opportunity, yeah. you know, like, you're you're already halfway there now you just got to go do it you know yeah oh that's so funny i like that a lot um did you have one more that 
one more thing that you put in that hat i feel like i feel like you said you had four am i yeah it was okay. yeah i think i had one more just a yeah. just a cross in there that kind of like um kind of reminded me like i'm just so blessed to be out here and do what i love hmm. to do so kind of yeah. put things in that perspective and knowing that if god's on my side like no one can be against me so kind of just gives me confidence in in him that way hmm. it's that helps yeah it's it is a very powerful thing now i don't want to you know f- go down the rabbit hole too much because i don't want to yeah. yeah you know how it is it's just talking about like religion can set some people off but that yeah. that sort of role that it plays like that that faith kind of in you know something you know something out of your control you know that that you can kind of uh rely on to like give you ease of mind in a way right like and i know like it might be different for you and me what we call it or me and the next guy you you and i and someone you know thousands of miles away but there is that kind of role that i feel like should be filled for everyone in terms of like just a perspective setter you know of saying like Mm -hmm look like at the end of the day, this is baseball. You know, this is a game that we're playing that we're just competing in. Yes. We're grateful to be playing it, but also it's not the end all be all, you know, this is in a way out of my hands. Like, like you're saying like, yes, within the microcosms of the game, there's things we can control and things that we believe we have autonomy to, you know, to have a, you know, a say in what happens, but you know, on a, on a grander scale, it's like, look, we're just, you know, spinning on a floating rock here. Like, <laughs> Let's remind ourselves of that too. It's like, let's not the make, make the moment bigger than it is. Right. Oh, At least. Yeah. yeah. For me, that's kind of how I see it. You know, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm going off on a tangent with, with that and going on a totally different angle with you, but it seems like that can be like a really valuable piece um, for someone, you know, who maybe lacks that in their career or they're just in their kind of sports psychology sort of, uh, approach. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of uh, guessing here, but yeah. I think I totally agree with you like that. Just having things in perspective and having mm-hmm. ease of mind. Like I was told, uh, back in high school, like no matter how you play today, no matter how the game goes, like chances are you're still going to wake up in the morning and, be in algebra class at 10 a.m whatever it is like (laughs) things will things will keep moving on it's not the end all be all like you're saying yeah no i would hope i would hope it's not right i mean friend for most of us thankfully it's not yeah um so now that i mean you're you said you have a couple of summer classes you got to take you know but eventually you'll be out of school um and that'll be exciting because at least for me i remember like (laughs) Honestly, it happened for like six months after I was out of school where I'd just be like driving home and I'm thinking like, shoot, what assignments do I have to do that are due on Monday or due Tuesday? Or... And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not even in school anymore. Like, this is crazy. And you'll probably realize like you'll have a little bit more free time than what you just did as a student athlete. Um, have you thought about that at all? Like things that you maybe want to do on the side or things to get your mind off the game maybe you know um because we all kind of need that that break sometimes yeah i mean i'm uh 
still definitely busy with school and I'm not sure how much free time I'll have exactly once I'm done, but I'm sure it'll be more than whatever I'm expecting, you know, like you're saying, but I think there's a trainer back here that owns a gym, um, kind of helped me throughout high school. So I might try to go work with him afterwards and hmm. kind of develop athletes in high school, get them moved on to the college level, I think is, hmm. is a pretty cool thing. Cause I mean, it's helped me a lot and just kind of appreciating that aspect of getting in the weight room and having a good trainer, a good routine, um, a good plan for your development is, is super important. I kind of want to be a part of that for the next generation. So is that something you, you know, when it's all said and done and you're done with the game, is that something you want to do, you know, as a, as like a, a job, honestly, or a career? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of fulfillment to that, you know, just sure, yeah, you know, you're helping people reach their goals, you know? So I think it'd be pretty cool. And I, I would imagine you kind of did a little bit of that with your teammates this year too. Like, I'm sure you had somebody come up to you on the pitching staff and say like, Hey, like, you know, can you help me with this or something? Like, was there a lot of that, like with, within the pitching staff as well? Oh, there was a lot of that. It was mm -hmm. pretty much open. And I mean, I would be learning things from the freshmen too. I mean, hmm. they came to Tulane for a reason. They're talented and they know some things and it's always like a open environment to learn from each other. There's, there is seniority, but it's not like, oh, I'm better than you. I'm not going to like try to listen to you at all type of thing. Like your mm. ears, eyes are always open. You're, you're helping each other out because you're on the same team at the end of the day, you have the same goal and that's to win and watch each other succeed. So mm -hmm. you're just trying to help each other out. And yeah, I think there's, there's times where I could have helped guys out a little bit more, but being my first year there, didn't really want to step on toes at first, kind of feeling it out, you know? Yeah. But yeah. No, that, that definitely, you know, makes sense. And I, I was definitely one of those guys too, where, you know, I'm not trying to intervene where, you know, it's uh, it's to the point of intrusion, you know? Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think of some things that we maybe haven't even touched on yet, but I feel like we've touched on a good amount. Uh, and I also don't want to take too much of your time, but, um, I actually, I, the last thing I kind of did want to talk about, that's more like baseball related. Um, cause obviously it's a baseball podcast is, oh, yeah. are you, so are you kind of like a data guy? Do you like, in terms of the pit, like the pitch date or the ball data, like, would you pay attention to that once the season started at all? Or like, was that something you kind of reserved more so for preseason and like, um, yeah, I guess just anytime not during the season, you know, in terms of like the development side of like your, you know, ball data or biomechanics, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a huge part of the off season and preseason. Yeah. Kind of developing your pitches and looking into the spin rate, the profile of the pitches and kind of creating um, kind of the look that you want to create mm -hmm. um, with your arsenal and, as the season went on, maybe I would touch into it a little bit. We okay. did have all that data available, but I didn't really want to get too deep into it because at the end of the day, like I'm there to pitch and just get outs. And as long as I feel good and I feel like my stuff's working, then I'm not really going to deal with it. But mm -hmm. um, it is cool just kind of to get updates on it, maybe once a week, once every other week, um, kind of knowing what your velo is at, how the – 
four seam is moving now kind of as the season progresses and you get a little tired, maybe that can give you reasons to uh, kind of change your game plan a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe if your arm's not as fresh, the ball's sinking a little bit more. So you're aware of kind of how you pitch and you kind of take it from there. Okay. And that, yeah. So that was something that you kind of like told, you know, you knew about yourself that if you were going good, you, you didn't want to have to worry about that kind of stuff too much, you know, I mean, because mm -hmm. it can't, because it can cloud the mind, I guess, in a way is like, you know, if you're on the yeah. mound thinking about your pitch shapes, it's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like we're not competing. That's for sure. Yeah. We're worried about the wrong things, you know? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that approach is something that probably a lot of people should take, especially high schoolers who are going to like these, yeah. you know, recruiting events and they're like, Oh, okay. Like what velo do I, do I hit, you know, or what, mm -hmm. uh, how much vertical break do I have on my fastball or my curveball? It's like, did you get the guys out? <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's the game, right? Yeah, oh. it is. Okay. Like wait, high school is, is definitely different now though with, yeah. all that technology is like available in high school and kind of the mm -hmm. approach to recruiting might be different. So I'm not sure how it is nowadays. Would you ever do that? Actually, would you ever go into like coaching? Uh, no, maybe not so much on the, you know, what you were talking about earlier, like the training side and the development there physically, but, you know, going into like actually coaching, you know, at, at like a high school college program. Yeah. I mean, I could see myself doing it someday. Um, you never know. And down the road, I kind of want to get into more of that kind of stuff, maybe like an athletic director or something and hmm. kind of just like facilitating the coaching uh, process that goes on for the kids and um, kind of overseeing it all, I think would be would be pretty cool. That's interesting. I don't know if I've ever heard of someone saying like, yeah, like I want to be an AD someday. That seems like kind of a hard job. Do you ever, did you ever like ask uh, like Danon or anything like that? You ever talked to him about that type of stuff uh, in terms of like actually getting into that role and like what that takes? Um, I've talked to KG about it a little bit. Okay. I'm, I think he's the associate athletic director at yeah. Tulane or something like that. And Mm -hmm. He said, I mean, he gave me his number, any questions that I have just to reach out to him. So um, I think it's pretty cool, like how he kind of not controls everything going on, but how he like oversees it, but he's still like involved. Like he's in the dugouts at least half of our games and he's mm -hmm. one of the boys. So I think it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it is kind of a best of both worlds, I guess. A school like Tulane, I, I don't know if every school does that, but I think it is pretty unique how Tulane is a little bit more tight knit and intimate oh, yeah. in terms of like just the, honestly, the entire athlete sort of population, like it's very close knit, you know, which I got to enjoy for two years and you got to enjoy. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think that cool. is, that is pretty cool. Um, I guess the last few things I'll ask are a little bit more New Orleans related, Tulane related. Right. <laughs> um, I, I got to know the First thing, let's see, where, where do I want to start? Um, what would be your favorite restaurant in New Orleans? Do you have a favorite place? Um, I haven't got to dabble completely. I know you, you haven't. I've only been there for a year and yeah. one of my roommates was allergic to shellfish. So oh. that's kind of the worst place to be for that. I feel like, <laughs> um, I kind of oh, like, like this place near our apartment. It was called Neo's. Kind of Neo's. Had, 
fried fish and fried oysters was kind of its thing, but hmm. it was fire. It was pretty good. I don't know if I ever had Neos. Where, what streets do you guys live on? Um, we lived off Nashville, but that was kind of by okay. Carrollton and Canal, I would like to say. So, okay. So we're over there. Did you ever go downtown? Like, did you ever have like a favorite thing you like doing outside of being at the baseball field down in New Orleans or while you were at Tulane? Yeah, I think just kind of taking in the scenery of, of downtown. I mean, it's such a unique city, like mm-hmm. architecture over there, all the, the wild people going on. So just <laughs> walking around like the French quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a cool spot, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is very unique and it's just, it still baffles me that you had never been there <laughs> prior to saying, yes, I want to go to this school. That is so, <laughs> that is, it's crazy though. That actually is kind of how things go a lot of the time now. Right. Like, it is. Oh, that's wild. Wait, would you would you ever go back? Have you have you thought about like going back just to see everyone or you know for sure going okay. back? I mean that's that's definitely okay. uh away from home now and I'm mm-hmm. already planning a few trips to uh to see them all next year. So oh really? Yeah. Oh shoot, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, because I you know, you know I was there in the off season, so I'm thinking like yeah. Thinking like maybe uh maybe I'll do that again too. I I mean, I don't know. There's it is it is a home away from home. It really is. It is. Like yeah, you know, I love it so much. I'm trying to think of any other like good questions about New Orleans, but I can't seem to think of any. Shoot. Yeah, we, uh, I didn't really I do have to go down there for Mardi Gras because the week oh, we were shoot, there, yeah. I believe we were in California. So we ended up going to one parade, but it wasn't quite the full experience. So maybe next year I'll try to make that. Yeah, that is definitely, it, that's another thing about New Orleans. There's always something going on. And I actually missed, sort of missed Mardi Gras as well. Cause we were ironically in California as well back in 2020 and then 2021, it just didn't even happen. So yeah, I missed it too. That's actually really funny. I didn't even think about that, but <laughs> yeah, Mardi Gras. It's yeah. If if someone has an experience Mardi Gras, they definitely need to. I guess I got to experience a tiny bit of it, but yeah, it's it's wild. But you know, I feel like that's everything I have for you, Ricky. I don't know. I'm trying to think, but do you have any questions for me? Is there anything? I don't know. I mean, what would you uh, kind of give advice to people out there that are trying to be in your shoes, like in the minor league system and kind of how you made the adjustment from either high school or college ball, like to professional, because it is definitely different. That is a very, very good question. Um, I think the most stark contrast between college uh, and high school, if you group those together and professional is how glaringly obvious that it is an individualistic, um, endeavor like you have to be very very on top of yourself while also you know you want to you want to you know not be a an a-hole like we're talking about like all the time you know you still want to like be enjoyable part of a team but you have to acknowledge that it is very much on you you have to consider all parts of your career like not everything is going to be handed to you on a silver platter um I mean, the, yeah, the amount of times I've heard the saying, it's your career, uh, like once you get to pro ball, it's like 
there's a reason that there's people are saying that, you know, it's very important for you to like be diligent about everything that when it comes to your career, because when it turns into a job and the responsibility does fall like heavily on you, you have to, you have to really take like a level of ownership with that, where you, where you have to like be really just like on top of everything, not, not saying like stress yourself out all the time with like, am I getting enough this or am I recovering enough? Am I doing enough weightlifting? It's like, you have plenty of resources there that'll help you, but you just have to be very proactive about it. You know? And if, if something isn't going your way, you have to be, like I said, you know, taking, you know, full accountability for that thing too. Like an example for me would be maybe my uh, mobility isn't where I want it to be, you know, or my, my strength, you know, my overall strength numbers or something like that. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe an organization will be like very hands-on with you about it and say like, these are some things you need to do to help build that. And honestly, with the Cubs, I'm pretty lucky. They, they know how to build plans really well for that. Not every organization is going to be like that in professional baseball, no matter where you're at. So for you, you kind of have to be really proactive and seek that out of like, okay, I want to, I need to start the dialogue. Like I need to pretty much tell my resources, like where I'm lacking, what I need to get better at. Like, and it's, it's always a collaboration once that begins, but you got to start, you know, you got to be the one that's seeking it out proactively. It's not going to get handed to you. Like I said, on a silver platter really ever. And uh, yeah, it is kind of like this podcast in a weird way. Like for me, it was, it was all about just starting and like, you have to acknowledge that it's not going to be a one-time, you know, easy fix. Your, your road's going to be bumpy. Like it's, it's like, not everyone goes like this. Like it is few and far between the guys that really just shoot through a system. Um, for, I mean, I would say for every org, there's a handful, you know, that like really, really move. And it's either because a, they're a very high pick, um, and that's just the trajectory, you know, and they're probably doing well too because they're so talented, but there's that, or there's kind of this, the unicorn guy where it's like, oh yeah, like this is, he's on the fast track because he, there's something special here, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just funny. Cause we all think we're like super special when we get picked. And then you realize like, everyone is unreal. Like everyone is so good yeah. in every work too. Like it, you see it in one org and then you go to another one and you're like, Oh wow, there's just a whole nother hundred something guys that are also very, 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 very good at this. It's it's so funny. Um, but yeah, so that would be that would probably be my like first thing that you kind of have to really drill into your head. The next thing would probably be like, don't try to change who you are. Like I think that is a good piece of advice I, I learned um pretty early on when I got to Pro Ball. Um, a lot of guys were you know, maybe they had gone through it. They had tried to change, change up who, you know, who they were and it didn't work. And that may be why they said it. And some guys, you know, they need a little bit of modification to whatever it is, but in terms of like your core self, your, you know, of, of, you know, what made you, you, you don't really want to change that a whole lot because once you do, it can kind of, I don't want to say it'll mess with you, but it might be hard to like shape that identity again. You know, because like, I mean, we're what, 24, 23, 24. It's like, I've been doing this so long already. It's like, 
why are we just going to like completely switch up who I was? It's like, I got here for a reason. Right. You know? So yeah, it does. Those would probably be the two big things. And I could probably continue on for forever about it, but yeah, in short, those would be my two things. (laughs) Uh, I I think a lot of that is relatable to high school and college players. Like you were saying, taking accountability and ownership in your own career, like going above and beyond just what the team does, like the team mm-hmm. practices, the team workouts. Oh, yeah. Accountability and going out and doing extra work out there and things like that. Mm-hmm. Dude, you see it too. Um, oh, yeah. Especially me being in the rehab sort of um, process right now. Every guy that's hurt and trying to get back, you know, they have a program, right? And it's a good program. It pertains to the injury. But on top of that, it's like, we have this beautiful chunk of time to take advantage of like some serious things that we're deficient in as well, whether it's mobility, strength, like things I'm kind of outlining. So, I mean, for me, I know I'm, I'm taking advantage of that time too, to do a lot of extra stuff. Like I'm, I'm at the field way longer than I need to be because that's, and that's the standard, honestly, every guy's doing that, like with the Cubs at least. And you realize the more you climb, like the more guys that do that, frankly. And like, there's a reason that the successful guys are like that. I think it probably hit me first with Braden, honestly. Um, Because I mean, I guess I saw it too in some other teammates prior, but it didn't hit me until I saw Braden, you know, Braden, Oltoff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no no matter what kind of situation it was, like rain or shine, I mean, this guy was unbelievably diligent at like doing like, all the extra work he needed and going the extra mile. I mean, his maintenance plan was like through the roof. And he knew that he needed that in order to be honestly sane on the mound and really dialed in. So that's, that's probably another big piece of it too. Shoot. We could keep going, but yeah, it's, it's definitely knowing yourself. Like that is, that is definitely a big piece of it. And for the high schoolers to, to know that, yeah, just doing the bare minimum, it's like, you're you're honestly cheating yourself in a, in a big way and yeah it's it is like you're saying you know acknowledging that that's not going to be enough and then just being real with yourself you know and saying like yeah i've been kind of slacking off like i need to be better like it's you got to have that kind of conversations yourself um i've definitely had to deal with that you know, in my earlier career, for sure, more so back in high school. But yeah, uh, did you ever have to deal with anything like that too, where you're like, "Shoot, man, like, I don't deserve. Like, I'm not working hard enough. Like, I need to really switch it up." Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some wake up calls throughout the years, and mm-hmm. kind of one thing that really sparks that thought is seeing my other teammates that that are going for the same spot as me and trying to do the same things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, how hard they're working. Like Billy Price is an example. He's he's at the field like all the time doing focused work, whether it's on mechanics or whatever it might be. Like he's uh he's putting in the time and I think to myself, I'm like, Am I really investing as much as I want to into this? And mm-hmm. uh even when you're when you're at the field, like just having focused, intentful, purposeful work is can be the difference as well. Mm-hmm. Oh man. And like, there's a reason why Billy, you know, went to Virginia and then ended up at Tulane and like 
had prominent a prominent role this year like coaches love that shit they oh, yeah. love those players they want guys who just can't get away from the field like yeah. and and it's funny too because like you can kind of see the fugazi guys like who are oh yeah i'm at the field i'm doing this like you can kind of see the like not so genuine kind of side of that too um yeah like i've got i've had coaches to tell me about they're like yeah like we can tell if you're, you're just like you know saying you're at the field it's like or are you actually like putting in work you know mm-hmm. oh, that's so funny that's a good question you opened like pandora's box with that that's that's so <laughs> funny oh man dude how long are we how long have we been at this we've been at this for a good amount of time this is okay i know i know i semi jinxed you before but you, i that? think you did a great job just now i think that was awesome oh, and and we could probably keep going forever about all these other things but i don't want to take too much of your time i mean thank you for coming on i do you have any last words you want to say you know to the listeners or even just to me yeah i just want to say thanks for having me on i mean this is a really cool thing you got going and a great resource that i wish i would have had growing up and even now i mean i'm going to listen to the rest of your episodes i just listened to the arkansas one this morning but um i mean there's a ton to take away and i mean you're a guy that knows what's going on with things and kind of <laughs> on the road to the show like like many of us want to be so it's cool to to learn from you as well well, thank you, Ricky. Jeez. Uh, I'm so bad at taking compliments, but I've just been told, like, just say thank you and accept it. So thank you. And that's, I, I really appreciate you saying that because that is kind of the whole point of this. It's like, learn from it, guys. Like, you know, yeah. this is, I'm hoping this is valuable stuff. And if you're taking something from it, anyone, oh, sure. anyone below you, yeah, you can learn something for sure. Yeah. <sighs> All right, Ricky. Well, I want to talk to you like really, really briefly after we sign off, but that is going to do it for this week's episode of player to prospect. And we will see you next week. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this week's episode of player to prospect. If you enjoyed the episode as much as I had recording it with Ricky, then do not forget to leave a like, follow the podcast or tell a friend about it. It's all free. Let's not forget that. And with that, I will see you next time on player to prospect.